Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about Netflix, Taskmaster, and we have part one of our interview with Paula Pettery, PhD. Welcome one and all to another episode of The Kindness Project. I'm joined by today by two blokes. Uh... Both are just sitting here chilling. It's a nice... Um, I'm not chilling. I'm down to business today. I mean business. Do you mean business, Raz? I'm, I'm chilling. Oh, he's chilling. He's chilling. Yeah. He's having a chill day. What does yeah. a chill day look like for you, Raz? A chill Describe day? Describe your ideal Sunday. You you must know that I never take time off. You must you need to chill off. <laughs> I mean, surely, surely, like, I think... We're probably all guilty of it, but I think getting balance in our lives is really important, don't you think? I, I, I think, I think for me, I really struggle with that detaching from. If I've got something to do, I, I'll sit here and I'll put the teddy on and it'll bug me until it till it's done. Well, you know what? I suppose we want to maintain an element of intellectual activity, don't we? Like, we'd, I'd rather not be bored. And I, I'm not a great lover of, like... I like Netflix documentary, but I'm not a great lover of, like, mindless TV. No, like, cat, right. My mum loves a bit of Love Island, doesn't she? I don't This time, probably five years ago now, I could yeah. sit and watch mindless tenny all day long. Now yeah. I just can't stand it. Now you've made a real um, shift in your life, effectively, to the to the right. So much so that you're on Love Island next year, right? Aren't you? No. I'm going to. You were on Love Island. I'm going to the other but not Love Island. Well, I, the only shows that I've done on, okay, and actually they're probably the ones I've watched. Point is. I know he's only celebrities and I don't qualify. Richard Osman's House of Games. Yeah. Hunted. I'd love to try and escape from the Rosas for for four weeks. I'd love to do that. Yeah. And my new all-time favourite, Race Around the World. That looks amazing. And every time I put... Why are you shaking your head, Buzz? I don't know where it is. Race around the world. It's basically where two people um, try and get to different places across the world, and they've got a final destination, but they've got checkpoints they've got to get the way, and they just rest. It's on, a, it's on iPlayer, so you can watch it on the BBC iPlayer. But effect, effectively, they do. And so the last, the first series, I think, came out in 2021, I can't remember. But they started them well, off in... You mentioned it to me before, and I'll give you a watch. Yeah, they yeah. started the first series. They started them off at Greenwich, and they had to get not by flight, but by any other means of transport. So it's a bit like what we, you and I, did last year, wasn't it? Um, from Greenwich to the top of the Infinity Pool in that famous hotel in um, Singapore, which is on my list, by the way. Um, in by any means possible, here in checkpoints along the way. Then they did uh, the last one they did was all the way across Canada. 
So then you start at one side of Canada and then had to go all the way to the other side. And yeah. just the, I just like the adventure of it. I just yeah. like the adventure of it. Um, it's going to be like you next year with your machete as you're sort of walking your way through the prison route, isn't it? It is. It, Do you know what? It's a long way off, but I'm really looking forward to it. You know what I think I'd be good on? I'd be funny on. I think I'd be funny on Taskmaster. Oh, yes. <laughs> Taskmaster is amazing. That is a great show. I like Taskmaster, actually. Yeah, I like Taskmaster. What would be your like Taskmaster personality? Because some are ridiculous. Some are... From, from the in-betweeners on that. The yeah, the teacher. teacher. Greg Davies. Greg Davies. He was a teacher in real life. Yeah, Greg Davies was a teacher in a show, teacher in real life. And now he's just a bit of a condescending... Oh, he's uh, funny. Yeah. I mean, he is funny. He's hilarious. But his personality in it is to be the Taskmaster, isn't it? Did you know that Alex Holton invented Taskmaster, but he didn't think he had the personality to be the Taskmaster? So he's the actual taskmaster. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So what would be your um uh did you we played a bit of Taskmaster during lockdown, didn't we? Do you remember when they used to yeah, have the they, they used to have the the um, online tasks that you could do and that it was, was great like, marketing for them. Oh amazing, amazing, brilliant. I've and, never heard of it before you showed me those videos. Yeah, they 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 really like sparked curiosity during lockdown, didn't they? And now we've watched all of them, I think. Um, you know, the other one that sparked curiosity during lockdown um, was Grayson Perry's Art Club. Loved that during lockdown. That was a really good way to, like, sort of... Um, what was your uh, lockdown curiosity of choice? Can you remember? Can you remember, Russ? Lockdown. lockdown was when I got into actual plays. Um, so, like, people playing... D&D and other TTRPGs. Lockdown was when I got into that, because like two years before, I decided I wanted to learn how to play. And I started learning how to play, and then lockdown happened. So I, you couldn't? I couldn't. So I was like, I'm just going to live <laughs> vicariously my dreams of playing. <laughs> um, so so where, where, did you, where did you live? I mean, my vicarious living during lockdown was watching people walk around tourist sites around London. Um, I remember that. Jules Walks, amazing YouTube channel. We'll check it out, listeners. It's definitely worth a watch. Russ, what's your vicarious lockdown? I've right into, during lockdown, classical music. Oh. I love staying at home. You, You know that. I don't... Enjoy being in social. So, the man who's going to be hacking through the Amazon in a year's time. I don't enjoy time. being in social situations. Yeah. But during lockdown, when we couldn't go out, I really started craving going out, and I was getting quite stressed at home. So you weren't I, alone, Russ. Are you? I think that I think that's ninety nine percent of the population. That, that was are like you, me though. Are I was you like, classical, I... classical music, just uh. Keep myself calm and. What's your go to uh, potential question of the podcast, if that exists anymore? No. What? No, it doesn't. <laughs> what's, what's your go to classical music track? Track. 
I like the ones with um, instrumental and vocal. So I like like Hayley Westamra, uh, Amy Noel done a good album. Them sort of ones. Is that considered uh, classical? El, El Debo, yeah, it's classical pop. So, uh, oh, I see what you mean, right? Okay. Classical, basic classical. I thought you were talking classical classical. Well, that that for me is classical. It helps me relax. You know what, what one I like because it always makes it no. Yes. Do 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 you know that what? classic track, the Orson Towers advert. You nearly got covered in coffee, then. <laughs> you know what? You know what? One I like. We're, we're talking about adverts, fast for music. The obvious advert. I was going to yeah. pair ads. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, um, uh, You know what? One I like. Classical music wise, not ad wise. Um, rage over a lost penny. It's just. I don't think I've ever heard that. Oh no. It, Perfectly encapsulates the feeling of its title. Radio for a lost penny. Rage over a lost penny. Rage over a lost penny. I, I mean, I, I like the classics. I like the Four Seasons. I like the Planets. All of that sort of, all of that sort of good stuff. But Hall of a Mountain in the Hall of, a, of the Mountain King. And you know what? That that's nostalgic for me. So not because of the Orton Towers adverts. Because the be- time I, I fell asleep on you after that woman had a go at me for eating crisps. <laughs> you, you know what? But you need to expand on that story. The best ever song from uh, ABBA is Karnica, Colours Are Calling Us. Right. <laughs> yeah. What's that from? That's from the Karnica ABBA. What's Karnica? What's Karnica? They're no more. They was brought out, but when we was growing up, the Carnica advert. I don't. I think you were brought up on a different multiverse, Raz, because I don't even remember that advert. Oh, you gotta look it up, Carnica. <laughs> it's always funny when Russ sings, oh. isn't it? Russ, Russ, can you, Russ, how are you spelling Carnica? Russ, do you remember Fraggle Rock? Hold on, yeah. How, how are you spelling Karnica? Because it keeps oh, no, taking no. me to Karnakava, which is a, apparently a beach location. Right, should we just start Googling Karnica <laughs> while we're trying to record a podcast? Oh, no, um, no, no, Russ, do you remember Fraggle Rock theme tune? I forgot it. Oh, no, what's no, a, no. a Fraggle Rock theme tune, Russ? i got to pull it. The fra- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He just likes when you sing, Russ. Russ, I forgot. Um, theme song to Trapdoor. Theme song to Trapdoor. Do you remember that, Russ? No, not all of it. Not all of it. Some of it, though, Russ. Go on. Hey, it's Trapdoor, the one with the two skeletons. What was? Were the... you born on a different planet, Russ? What? What's the one with the two skeletons? Right, I'll do Trapdoor if you do. Banana Man. Um, I don't think I remember. Um, what was that? No, I know what Banana Man is. I don't remember the theme song. Right. 
Don't you open that back door. No, You're a fool if you dare stay away from that back door. Because <laughs> there's something down there. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Do you remember? Do you remember the theme song of Funhouse? Funhouse, a whole lot of fun. Go on. You must remember the theme song to Funhouse. I don't. Right now, we know Funny Russ, do you remember? I need a hero. I will stop up baby before I come on the and then. <laughs> so sorry, Russ. Damn, I'm slumping into a depression. Uh, what? But we 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 want to bring we want to bring your creativity out, Russ. And we we you've got such a beautiful singing voice. I mean, I can see the cats like all appearing outside your house just listening to you. Um, uh, but yeah, amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, on that note, let's move on to. Russ. Do you know how the do you know how the Chinese news theme tune goes? Perfect. Yep. And on that note, um, we've got a Chinese uh, news um, kids edition, uh, a special birthday for a little girl um, in Hapro has a variety of med- has a variety of medical complications. Um, but mother's love has no boundaries, and it turns out that people you don't know can be can also be loving and filled with kindness. This story is about a unique little girl called Aria Zanoli. Zanoli has received hundreds and maybe thousands of cards and gifts from strangers. It's heartwarming and really, really uh, amazing. Aria has been struggling with a lot of serious medical problems. And her mum wanted to do something special. So she posted on Facebook and Nextdoor asking for some birthday cards. It's kept on steamrolling, Jaskal said. I'm crying in the post office when I'm receiving thousands of cards. There were some hand-drawn pictures, a few gifts and piles of cards. Cards. The kindness of strangers made a special birthday for that six-year-old with some serious medical conditions. Jaskul said Ari has never had a traditional birthday because she's been too sick. Then she lost her hearing, developed kidney disease, both hormone deficiency, and now uh, has a brain malformation. She's luckily completely unfazed by it, but all of these diagnoses, She's kept unfolding, so that's all she's known. She's never known a normal, happy, healthy kid life. Katie says Aria's resilience has helped her stay strong. Your mum up, you mum up, and then you suck it up and deal with it in private. You cry and scream and do what you need to. I've never heard that phrase before, mum up. I I quite like that, because you think about the amount of stuff that mums have to deal with specifically not knowing the future making this sixth uh, birthday special was important for katie but it wouldn't have been what it was without the kindness of strangers playing such a big part i feel like this is a small glimmer of hope that it's not so bad aria ended up having a chocolate ice cream cake and kate said she had a great day playing with her sisters family and friends 
I love that. And you know what? I think if you give people the opportunity, they show how kind they can be. Yeah. Um, and that is is what I love. Uh, second news article is about a dog called Rex. Um, Exmouth Dog Dad's heartfelt beach ball tribute, tribute sparks community kindness. Hot Prince left behind on the heart of a grieving dog dad in Exmouth, promoted an emotional beach ball tribute to his beloved pet. Lumps formed in the throats of strangers and tears were quietly wiped away when beach covers and dog walkers stopped in their tracks. Spotting a, a lone box of tennis balls left on the wall overlooking the sea in memory of Labrador Rex, the goodest of good boys. Oh, oh this might be a bit sad. Only Jason Dune this week left Rex's tennis balls for other dogs to enjoy, explaining the gift was his way of having a last walk with his best friend who died earlier this month. He said, it was a way of having one last beach day with my once-in-a-lifetime dog, who literally changed our lives in the better in so many ways. I met so many people and walked over our 14 years together, and I couldn't tell you their names, but I could tell you name their dogs, and they all knew Rex's name. Jason, who's really in there for his dog, said Rex would be remembered in Exmo for his toy giveaway, bringing the community together. He urged people to hug their pets. I'm going to give my dog a hug. Channel the kindness sparked by his dogs. And advise us all, Russ, be a bit more Rex. Jason said his family has found solace in the in the scores of heartfelt messages of sympathy sent by other pet owners, prompted to get in touch to offer their condolences after a beachgoer posted a photo of the box of balls on social media. I really, really, really like that story. That is I amazing. Can, I have got a bit of a soft spot for dog stories, you know. Yeah, I do. Well. You know, they, they, you know, I, I was, I'm, I think any animal story resonates with people more than people stories. I, I don't think that's true. I mean, certainly human stories, including the one we've shared today um, about. Yeah, stories about kids and animals. It's always. Mm. But I, I also like the adult stories we share where somebody's in need and they just help. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's that's a story about the dog, but that's a story about a human yeah. helping other humans and coping with grief in that way. You know, using I'm a you know, and again, I was talking about this yesterday. Funny enough, using kindness to others to make sure that you're coping with your own challenges in life, I think is an amazing thing to do. It's certainly one proven to be I think that's great great for a confidence boost helping somebody else. Yeah, hundred percent. I also think you have a soft spot for stories about old people. Yeah. I've got I've got I've, I've, I I am I I mean I've quite about old people so I I I I Sorry, Rose, did you just say you're not a fan of old people? Which you, I'm, I'm going to gloss over that very quickly. Sorry, he didn't say it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to gloss over that very quickly. Um, and um, and uh, highlight the fact that I saw Toy Story 4 for the first time last week. Um, we'll talk about the next episode of the podcast. Had a little cry because it was very emotional. So it doesn't take me a lot to get really emotional. I don't know how you managed to do that. What? 
get the choir and the telly. I do it all the time. Pixar are the best storytellers of our generation, but that's why. And they get me in the feels every single time. He <laughs> can't listen to Married Life, Mark. He can't. Um, and on that note, let's move on to our interview of the week. We've got Paula Petri this week. Paula's an amazing lady. And interestingly, one of those people who has used kindness in her life uh, after tragic events to bring communities together, support them, help them. And she's a real inspiration when it comes to kindness. Should we listen to part one of the interview? Paula, thank you so much for coming on the Kindness Project podcast. How are you? I'm great. I'm really good today. Thank you. Good it's nice to be and I know, here. Yeah, love, lovely, to, lovely to have you as a guest. And I know that we started our off-air off conversation on travel, and you were telling me about how you'd love to go to India. If you had a plane ticket to India tomorrow, where would the first place you visit be and why? Oh, gosh. Um, actually, I know a Swami uh, who lived, of course, in an ashram in northern India and in the uh, foothills of the Himalayas. And uh, it would be my motivation would be to go there and to experience that uh, through his eyes and to have yeah. that experience. He's, yeah. Amazing. Um, and I suppose there's a lot we can learn from those Eastern cultures. I think sometimes we've got such a Western perspective on the world, not learning from other other parts of the world on how they view things is interesting. Right? I think we need to do that a bit more. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the uh, Eastern... Um, I would say Eastern medicine, no, the whole different worldview of an understanding of who we are and yeah, what that yeah. means in terms of our daily lives and how we uh, think about ourselves and, and the world and others. It's, yeah. it's a very holistic approach, right, rather than just the mind-body approach, but very holistic. Well, I, I think there's a, really, there's a really good book about mental health. Uh, um, I, was at, I was at the Hay Literary Festival, which is a big literary festival in Wales. It's in Hay on Wye in Wales, probably the UK's biggest literary festival. And there was a guy there I saw called um, Jonah Harry, H-A-R-I. And he wrote a book called Lost Horizons, um, talking about how we treat mental health. Um, and what was interesting about it is the fact that, and I think this is probably indicative of a lot of Western philosophy, is we jump immediately towards prescribing medicines to solve a problem. Uh, particularly, I mean, in the UK, it's probably quite pertinent. You know, if you go along and say, I'm suffering from depression, for example. Oh, absolutely. The first yeah. step is, here's a pill. Um, yes. And and actually, I think we need to probably be a bit more, as you say, holistic in our worldview to think about how we can, you know, not, not that, the, you know, I think, I think the doctors are doing what they can with what they've got, but... Um, it's it, yeah that that was a really interesting book and a really interesting talk. It really sort of opened my mind to to, to looking at things from different perspectives. No, absolutely. I mean, just the idea of kindness. And thank you for inviting me on a program about kindness. It's amazing. I, I love being that here. And and uh, the 
impact of kindness on on the on our mind on our brain chemistry right because yeah, we, we've known a lot now in neuroscience about brain chemistry and what what creates those changes that are positive in those releases of that of that serotonin for example right or the oxytocin yeah. where you know all the hugs that you get you know which is kindness yeah. is about connection and and hugging and and uh yeah. you get the good juju you know being created in your brain uh 100%. so yeah. yeah, I think there's a whole different uh, formula now for wellness that is is there and available. Uh, and I I love all efforts that get the message out to people. I, so so it's really interesting. I spoke at the event because I'm, I'm do, as, as I said to you before the interview, I'm doing a lot of speaking to promote the book at the minute. I spoke at this event um, last week. This guy came up to me and he said to me um so he said i'm a retired police officer so um my outlook on life when i was a police officer and i think i think his perspective on it was that this was just a sort of part of the job was to be quite not not unkind but quite cynical about the behavior of other people because his job was to find criminals so and he said once i retired i was looking for something to do and um, so he volunteers at the food bank. So effectively, the people who can't afford to, to, to feed their families in the UK, we have these charities that set up the feed of the families. And he said, I volunteered three days a week at the food bank. And what I've realised, Chris, is whereas previously I was cynical about people who came to food banks, now I realise they're just people struggling and need some help. Um, um, but what he said, and he said it with a really interesting, I had a grin on his face. He said, but Chris, what I didn't realise was um, uh, how much being kind helps me. And like people will come and I will help them out and, you know, talk to them and like sort of make them like enjoy the experience. And they'll leave and go, look, thank you, Steve. That was a really good, like, thank you for taking the time to make me feel human again. Because often i suppose it is like when you can't afford stuff there's an element of loss of dignity that he brings back by treating treating them like humans so he was telling me about that but then the other thing he said to me was they wander off and I, under my breath i go no thank you because i get a lot out of the helping others because of all of, as you say, all of those chemicals kick into the brain where you're, you know, you're, you're doing something else. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, I always say kindness is, you know, work works in, in both ways. However, I'm not here to talk about my experiences talking about the book. I'm here to share your story. So, but those of our audience who don't know who you are, Paula, tell us a bit about you. Um. Well, interesting, my, in terms of my roots, Chris, I actually have, from the four generations ago, uh, my ancestors came from the Yorkshire area of England. Uh, yeah, and then I grew, uh, on the other side of my family from Germany, only two generations ago, I grew up in Northern Illinois. Uh, my adventurous spirit, I would say now looking back, uh, led me to marry a man from Colombia, from South America. And uh, our first child, Alex, was born with a significant disability, uh, and that that shaped my 
entire adult life. Uh, everything has, until up to now, has been shaped around that in a very positive way. Of course, came with that a lot of uh, strife, uh, struggle, uh, some suffering in that, uh, but it, it shaped it in a very positive positive way. I founded Parent to Parent in Miami when you talk about helping others. So that was uh, a parent organization still existing, helps 5,000 families every year based out of Miami, Florida, but helps beyond that as well. But parents who have a child with a disability and yeah. the whole idea of um, actually Bandura's work on um, if you can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So that those role models, right? And just offering that kindness to people who are in despair. So I really moved through my grief unknowingly by, by finding all of these incredible, what became our first board of directors. And they became these huge movers and shakers in Miami and elsewhere around disability. And so I, how I, did Karen, yeah. we'll, we'll, talk, <laughs> we'll talk a bit about what you do now, but I'm, on, I'm really interested about Parents Parent Miami. So how did that start and what 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 was the motivation for you starting that organization? Whoa. <laughs> it's like I always already have like tears welling up, right? Such a powerful um time in my life. But we were Alex was born in the DR. We knew we needed to leave. We landed in Miami. And it's just I feel that there's destiny moments, right? That just it's um and uh, so I had op opportunities just came my way. And I really think it came from the Joseph Campbell quote to say that when we mm, give up the life we planned, we get to live the life we were given. Mm. So my, my planned life of, you know, marrying this adventurous man, traveling all over the world, um, living in some castle, you know, I mean, something like that, right? So I had, as I gave that up and take on the real responsibilities of the life I was given, the doors just flew open. And that, that right. is that, right? You've, I know you've experienced that. So the someone came to Miami and I was invited to attend this meeting and it was people interested in a parent support group. My daughter, Alex was only a year and a half. I said, okay, I'll go. There are 50 people divided up into parents and then providers over in this room. And, uh, as you know, because you've done community work, <clears throat> what started out as 50 before too long, it became three people. <laughs> And then a year and a half later, it was the last person, there was two of us and she's moving and she brings me the files to my house. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Paul, it's on you. <laughs> and, she goes, and we were, and we were based in an agency and she goes, and don't even base it in the agency because they pretend to care about it more than they really do. You know, right. it's going to need the fire in the belly, you know? And so I'm a Leo. If people love, you know, astrology thing, I have the, you know what? Fire I, in the I'm, belly. Not, I'm not a big believer in astrology, but I am a Leo. So when was your, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the 17th of August. That's when oh, I'm beloved. Yeah. I'm so, so I, yes. don't, I don't know what that means, but, um, uh, uh, but, but certainly, I, I think the problem I've got, and I don't know if you share this, the problem I've got is 
I do like to drive stuff forward with a bit of passion. Do you know what I mean? I do. <laughs> I don't know whether that's a summer baby thing. What do you think? I get that impression you're similar in that regard. Oh, no, absolutely, you know. And so, um, yeah, so we're, we're, we're fire starters, you know, and I like to start. My, my challenge is then uh, after I've planted the seeds to stay with it, right? So, uh, but, I mean, years I stay with things. I mean, I don't yeah. mean moments, but, uh, yeah, so that's what happened. And then I, I remember my son, uh, Jaime, was seven, seven days old when she was, like, brought over the files, and they sat on the kitchen chair for a long time in the corner. Uh, and then I just, everybody just came to me looking, not at the moment, it doesn't feel like that, right? But but the eagle view of things. Yeah. And I, I uh we started meeting. We start. I trained parents to help other parents. I started. Invited then to be a spokesperson on the state level, national level. Uh, legislation around the early intervention was on the docket in '92. I form. I formed parents to go to the Capitol and take their children around in their strollers and walkers and and pass out leaflets. Uh, so I ended up, it just opened another door into the University of Miami, and they want, they invited me to uh, apply to a position that kind of was formulated to, to help bring, well, to bring in that passion, that, that perspective of the family into a pediatric residence training, pro, you know, residency. And then what other was, What was missing in yeah. perspective that, that you Yeah. Like, what, oh, what, what, Oh, so much judgment around disability. Oh my gosh. So I did the, the most, one of the most beautiful things I did was matched pediatricians, residents with parents, and they went to the parents' homes and they saw the context of the child in the family environment. Yeah, and then I actually do, did research on it. We looked at, they wrote up a one page summary and then myself and another, um, uh, well, pediatrician, we we uh, faculty there at the medical school. We we then summarized the research and published it and so forth, because what they said it was a life changing experience to be in the homes, and really spoke to the change in in attitude, and their judgment of, and of the, of, the, of the practitioners. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, interesting. Yes, yes, what yes. Were the, so, what changed in their minds? What did they see that was where they got the insight. Help me understand a bit about that. Okay. Well, this one pediatrician resident comes to mind. He goes, this is his story real quick. He goes, I drove up. It was a very large house. And so I assumed that there had been a medical lawsuit. And the woman coming to the door was um, was um, of color. And uh, I assumed that she was the maid. Then I walk in. These were his all assumptions. And then... I see the child on the floor and he looked very normal in quotes. And I assumed the child with a disability was hidden away somewhere else in the house. You know, literally those, he wrote that up in his paper and I got to speak to him about yeah, it. And it was just a classic, right? Um, so it was the, the, there was no lawsuit. The parents were two prominent lawyers in Miami. The person answering the door was the mother, and the child in the living in the kitchen was the child, yeah. but with a hidden disability. 
that was very yeah. significant from being born premature. Yeah. So those were some of the examples, but is heart opening. So that's what's my, my role at the medical school was to bring in um, the, the necessity to work, to, to bring families on board with them, right? To be a family-centered focus, to really listen and then open up the heart where you listen from the, from the heart without um, yeah, losing your role. Interesting. Do you think yeah. you can lose that as a medical professional sometimes because of just, and, and, and even so, what do we do? I mean, I know this is a really big question, Paul. What do we do to change the way that, how do we, how do we make in Western cultures medicine more people focused? Um, yeah, I just presented to back to the grand rounds. Can you imagine off the, I resigned in 2007 and, uh, Friday, I put like five days ago, I presented to the grand rounds again, back at the same university for the first time ever. So, um, just, I think it's really about understanding, you know, who we are. That's my new, it kind of a my move from family centered is a is a cognitive approach almost a behavioral cognitive to really understanding that our we have the power to affect change with our mind and our thoughts and our heart and when we do that we are affecting change it's the power of prayer you know it's the power that our thoughts and who and what lives on us and who we are influences impacts and i gave many many examples to them about that so i really feel that the work is you know the value of really knowing oneself and staying centered in one's heart and training physicians about doing that yeah. mindfulness that for example all of the all of the kind of eastern we think of it, eastern philosophies and techniques also native american here in the united states indigenous as a way of of resetting our fight or flight and everyone it's, really, it's really interesting that know that i mean so we i'm doing a piece of work in my day job at the minute that's that's sort of yeah. to this and that know know thyself element comes also comes from Western philosophy as well, doesn't it? Because yeah. the Stoics and the, you know used to say that you need to know thyself. But what's interesting, and, and again, the, the work that I'm doing on the day job at the minute that aligns to this, is a lot of my financial planning clients at Savello are approaching a time of their life where they're thinking about making a change. So they're in a position where they've built wealth and they've built financial independence. And... Um, they're leaving their careers that they might have worked in for a, a sort of few decades and going, right, what's next in my life? And part of the problem sometimes is that we align purpose with occupation. And actually, yeah. life's purpose is broader than that, right? You know, thinking yeah. about so what's really important to us as humans can be taken over when we're working, but thinking a bit more deeply about, well, 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 if I get to the end, what do I really want to be proud of? It's not really going to be the job. It's going to be that stuff that really means the most to me. What do you think? 
No, absolutely. I, I totally agree, agree with that. And I think we live, we're, we're expecting something else about life, but we're living life every second. And that is life. And so how are we living every second becomes more the important question at the same time, because if we're living in the moment, that legacy that we hope to leave behind or that future thing that we want is actually more probable, right? Because yeah. we're paying attention to this moment in time, which is life. And yeah. I, I think yeah. that's it's been more present, isn't it? Is yes, the, it's a big day. shift in me. And when, I, can, when you, I continue to remind myself of that, Chris. Well, when 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 you've got time, you need to teach me how to do it because I struggle with that a bit. <laughs> yes, so, I, so I, will. I suppose you did all that amazing work in Miami, setting up that group, helping mums and dads, par parents of disabled kids, connect with each other and support each other. Um, yes. That, and that also resulted in you building awareness through the work you did at the University of Miami to like sort of just understanding the needs of those families more. What was next? Mm, actually, I want to share that at, in doing all of that and, and at the university and the end of my part at the university, I ended up getting my PhD. And I defended my PhD when I was 55 years old. So I've just put that in there as uh, we are by nature life learners. Yeah, and if 100%. we go in flow, right? If we're in flow with what we want to do and that was, oh, that was too late and I shouldn't. And who does that now? If we're in flow with what our you know, our soul or our spirit wants to do, we'll do a lot of crazy things, you know? 100%. So that was pretty crazy. And I'm proud of myself for that. Uh, and what was I your dissertation I, on? What did you do your thesis on? Yeah, well, again, it was looking at family-centered care practices. So the legislation I helped pass as a young mother, uh, I ended up being the content specialist and uh, developing the questions uh, for the U.S. Department of Education's accountability survey that states still have to fill out. Uh, right. So parents have to say how well the state's empowering them to take care of their children. Um, and then I ended up writing my dissertation on one of the state's uh, report out. And uh, looking at cultural diversity was a big interest of mine. And really income, are we, are we you know, do we treat i guess is the uh all families the same right yeah, yeah, yeah. This, regardless of income and regardless of disability that was those were my three things yeah love it absolutely yeah. love it and i love the fact that actually your work has had a positive impact in the real world because there's state organizations that actually use the work you know it's, yeah. just, it's brilliant absolutely love it so bring us forward to now what do you spend your time doing now and what what ignites that Leo passion in you today? Um, uh, a couple things. Um, what I'm doing right now is working with youth. And interestingly, the, I love working with girls. I love working with middle school girls. Uh, and to say, to share with the listeners that my, my daughter, Alex, passed away when she was 12. And I think that there's probably no coincidence that I feel that I'm kind of carrying forward, right? Something that got split off that didn't 
finish in the way that my heart wanted it to, I, I think is propelling me in part into this work. And the other thing with my daughter's death, Chris, um, in 1996, uh, I ended up years leaving the university 11 years after her death and ended up on the spiritual path. I didn't say, oh, well, let me go find myself. I thought I was going to go apply for a university position elsewhere, but stumbled into, I mean, it's just, again, a fated experience or a destiny point in time, right? Yeah. So it opened up this whole world of, of uh, what we now, what's known as holistic medicine. Yeah. Uh, who am I is part of that question and bringing that to youth. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean that uh, that's something as I certainly want to explore. Um, my experience, and I think I might mention to this uh, to you on the on the podcast like before, was um, death in our lives, particularly for people we love, or you know, serious illness. You know, if, uh, you know, a a a health scare in our own lives can really change our perspective on the world. In my experience. Um, as long as you're comfortable talking about this, and I, I want to make sure that that you 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 are, what perspective changed in your lives, either short or medium, uh, medium, uh, short, medium, or long term, when you lost Alex? Yeah. Um, short term, I really lived in in grief uh, quite quite a long time and uh, had subsequent losses. So it was a tremendous impact uh, that I had to, I made a almost conscious choice, I would say, that I either, because of the way that Alex died, she died at home, she died unexpected. She came home from the hospital the night before, the day before. Uh, so when you find your own daughter um, dead in the morning to say it very like that. Right. So the amount of guilt that I had to deal with in that, you know, where was I in all of that mess? And we all, we all think we had something to do with the individual's death. And I can say, absolutely. I assuredly say now, uh, that we don't, that it's like time stamped in that way, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we have a, we have things left behind, uh, be, the way people die, I feel, to sort out, yeah. right? And yeah, so yeah. one of my big sort outs was around guilt. And I, I sorted it out on the couch for five years, four days a week uh, with an, in, in analysis and in, a, in other forms as well and other continued work to really let go of this pattern I had of finding myself wrong when anything went wrong I contributed to what went wrong. An old childhood imprint that I carried into my daughter's death. So I would say um, the grief work left behind, I just encourage people to do it, right? To really dig in and find those answers. So where was I in all this mess? And then my other question was, where is God in all of this mess? Mm. And that I found on my spiritual path, you know, and God is in all things. So um there's no, there's no separation from that, and there's no, there's no curse, and death is not tragic. It's not uh, a curse. It's not because of something. It, it, it is, and I come to that from really kind of delving into and living that 
to the degree possible that indigenous perspective of of that we are of, of the earth and those cycles right of life sure. and um, and 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 i think grief is one of those regardless of what you believe spiritually grief is certainly one of those cycles that we've got to go through right you know it's yes, there's no, no getting no. away from it. We we have to grieve, and um, yes. I think I think it's an interesting one because I think about um, I think about when I lost my mum in 2019, and I still think I'm going through that grief process because um, at, the, at the I don't I don't want to use this as a counselling session, Paula. So I, I won't. But certainly, I say to Cassie quite a lot. Um, I'm getting emotional now. It's two of us getting involved in the emotion. Um, I say to Gazi quite a lot. I wished, and I, can't, I know I can't do anything about it, but I wished I would have spent the limited time we I knew we had, like like before yeah. 2019, just doing things different. Um, funny yeah. enough, you talk about Greece. We were meant to um, actually go to... Um, where was it, Cass? We were, my mum always wanted to go to Cyprus before um, mm. be, before um, Rita before she got ill, and um, we booked before we knew she was ill. We booked a holiday to Cyprus and paid my mum my to go. Sorry, that's my dog. Apologies, I'm I'm podcasting from home today, um, and um, uh, we she didn't get to go, and she said to me. Um, can you take some of my ashes? And there's a beautiful place in Cyprus called Aphrodite's birthplace, which is like a rock. Like, and I, I think about that and go, you know, I, I, we missed the opportunity to spend the time with her, but hopefully we pay tribute by, you know, doing her wishes at the end. It's 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 interesting. So I think you need to grieve, and I agree with you. I think. The process of grief takes time, right? It just—it just you yeah. need to you need to go through it. Um, but yeah, so talk to me. I suppose I suppose one of the things that I'm interested in is the book you wrote about your experience going through um, Alex's death and um, and what you learned from it. And I suppose I've got two questions on that. Yeah. Firstly, um, uh, I'd love to know about the book, and I'd love for you to share the uh, with our audience a little bit about the book. Also, number two is uh, my experience. Um, funny enough, so that was Paula's uh, first part. Of Paula's story. Next week, we're going to have the second part. Without further ado, this the end of another podcast. The end is never truly the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. Dark and awake. Go on then. Did you hear about the new restaurant called Karma? No, I haven't had a new restaurant called Karma. There's no menu. You just get what you deserve. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was actually good. I really like Thanks. that. I went back to the Reader's Digest. Uh, the, thank you, Reader's Digest. Thank you, Reader's Digest. Find the jokes. And on that note, it's the end of another podcast. We will see you, my friends, on the Kindness Project very soon. Bye. Bye.